Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, church, again. Hello, hello. Well, we have a special guest with us this morning who's going to share God's word with you. Uh, He is uh, a fine young man, a great young man named J.C. Elliott. With a name like that, come on, church, you got to get loud. J.C. Elliott. That's a much cooler name than John Ecker, I'm saying. J.C. Elliott, right? And he, uh, he comes, he was in Tulare for a little bit, so he knows the valley. He knows what we're about. And then he spent time in Stockton as well. He's been a pastor at several places. And he's filling in uh, for our pastoral staff this morning by sharing God's Word. So I want you to welcome to the stage J.C. Elliott this morning. Well, thank you. Thank you. Good morning. How are we doing today? Well, I want to first apologize. Uh, I'm not Gilbert, and I don't have a cool accent to hide behind. So I just have to rely on my talent, I guess, in the Lord. Uh, no, Gilbert has been a friend of mine for a while. He's the, one of the reasons I went to Tulare. I was at Tulare First Baptist for uh, three or four years. And uh, now I get to, to be up in Stockton. Um, but, but first, I want to once again reiterate that the Niners lost, and I'm a Niners fan. And it just, you know, it hurts. We had this a couple years ago, and then I thought this was the, the time it was going to change. Uh, but, you know, we made it to the Super Bowl, and the only thing worse than losing the Super Bowl, I guess, is being a Raiders fan. <laughs> I guess if I could imagine, that would be the only thing that would be worse. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I better pray and get on with it before I get stoned or <laughs> cast off stage. Uh, yeah, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. My name is JC. Um, I do live in Stockton, been in Stockton for a lot of years. We spent some time in Tulare. I've been from the Valley, the San Joaquin Valley, pretty much my whole life. Uh, I have a few pictures. I am a, a husband to an amazing wife, so I think we have, yeah. So um, she's not here. We live far away. Uh, if you're wondering, JC, how did you score such a beautiful woman? Uh, we were young. We were 18 before she knew any better. That's just... <laughs> That's just how it went. Um, we've been married for about 11 years now and together for 16. And uh, I have three beautiful children. So I'm going to be talking a lot about my children today. Those are my kiddos. I know. That's the squad. Uh, we have two girls and we adopted uh, my son. You can tell because he's the oldest. <laughs> no. Uh, we adopted my son. The, my oldest daughter, Aaliyah, is on the outside. Then Macy's in the middle. Uh, she's our surprise. And then Titus, uh, the two older ones, Aaliyah and Titus, we call them our twins because they're only three months apart. And then uh, our surprise came 14 months later. So uh, we had a lot of kids in a really short period of time. I had a 16-month-old, a 14-month-old, and a newborn. It was, I survived. I survived. Uh, they run the household. That's just, that's just it. Uh, I was a pastor for about 10 years, did some work in Stockton. Then I went down to Tulare um, and was with Pastor Bob at Tulare First Baptist. And um, yeah, and so Gilbert called me a a few months ago or a month ago and said, hey, you know, I knew he'd been down in South Valley Community Church and I had heard about you guys. And and he said, hey, do you guys want to, do you want to preach, JC? You know, I have to take this Sunday off. And 
And I said, well, hold on a second. And so I Googled if Superior Dairy was open on Sundays. <laughs> and it was, and so I said, I'm available. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, happy to he- I'm happy to be here. And um, in 2017, I stepped down from pastoral ministry. Uh, we moved back closer to be with the family, mostly because the kids now outnumbered us. And we had to be closer to grandparents. Um, and so now I work at a metal fab business with my family. We, do, we build steel buildings and, um, and all that, so it's, it's pretty fun. Um, and that transition from pastoral ministry, uh, vocational, to working not in a church for 10 years, it was really tough. And I'd like to share a little bit of that story and, and what God's showed me through that with you guys. Um, and before we do that, or as we do that, kind of the verse that led me through this, which is interesting because you guys are doing a, a study called Rooted, and I didn't know that, and we're going to be reading Ephesians 3. And so I have the ESV here. It's a little different than the one on the screen, but this is what Paul writes to the Ephesians. Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you strength with his power, his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and the depth And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. And I love that because he says that you being rooted in love may know the breadth and height and depth of the love of Christ. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. Is is that love of Christ. And, And what he says is you may be able to comprehend that you're seeing what's already there. Paul's not saying that the more you do, the more that God will love you or the more that you could feel God's love. No, he's saying that love of Christ that's already there, when you're deeply rooted in it, you're going to see more and more of it. And he prays that you can understand it, not that you can gain more or be more, that just simply you can understand how much God loves you right as you are right where you are. And that, that's been so life-changing for me. Because for 10 years, I spent every day in a church office praying with people, studying God's word, thinking about all the, the, the intricacies of scripture. Every meeting was prayed over. Every, and, and then all of a sudden, I go into the, to the non-ministry, you know, secular world, and it's not like that. And to feel that, that difference, but to be reminded that God loves you. See, I don't know if any of you have ever been uh, a pastor, but when you're in pastoral ministry and you leave pastoral ministry, people always wonder, like, what happened? Right? Like, what, what happened? Because it's often in crisis. Right? But there's no crisis in my life. I just felt a call to, to move on. But people would come and they'd, they'd think that I'd abandoned Christ somehow. And they wouldn't say that openly, right? They wouldn't come out and just say that. But they would say it subversively, like, are, are you Okay. Is everything okay with you and Leslie? Like, yeah, we're fine. You know, I just feel like this is the next step. Because, you know, they think, we think that oftentimes pastoral ministry is the, is the highest point that you could be with God. And I'm not saying being a pastor is very special. It is. You know, but I think we're all ministers of the gospel. You know? And so, but this lie got inside of me. 
right? Where I felt that all of a sudden, you know, was I turning my back on God? Was I, you know, walking away from him? And that, that flip from one moment, I'm in church every single day, and whether I want to or not, I'm reading my Bible every single day because there's sermons every week, and, you know, to not. There were, all of a sudden, I felt this huge, like, like the distance between me and God was a thousand miles. And I, it just, it was, it was hard. It was really hard. And I don't know if you guys have ever felt like that, if you've ever been to that place where you just feel a thousand miles from the Lord. And you're sitting there thinking, what did I do? Does, does he still love me? Does he still care? My prayers are bouncing off the roof. It's lonely. It's cold. And you, you wonder, man, are you even still there? Do you even still care? Do you even still love me? Right? And that's, that's where I was at for a lot of years after leaving pastoral ministry. And, and it's tough. Right? Life, the world... I, I see the world completely differently now. The world's tough. You go through and you walk out those doors and you just get beat up, hit every day, every minute. You just get hit. And the world is designed to distract us from the Lord, right? It's designed to sidetrack us. We're, we're consistently kept in the spirit of busyness. We are designed to be distracted, right? Think about all the notifications that come through your phone. I know some of you, right now, I'm not going to out you. Looked at your phone in the 10 minutes I've been speaking. We're, dis- we're just dis- we're distracted. And in that distractedness, we forget of the love of God it has for us. And so it's good for us. It's good for us to be reassured. It's good for us to know, to be rooted and grounded in the love of God so we can know how loved we are. Right? So I love my three kids. I am a very proud dad. But they're heathens. They really are. <laughs> they run the house, right? I mean, let's be honest. I don't know if, I, I don't know if, uh, if you guys have kids and how you feel. But before I had kids, you know, we'd be at a restaurant and I'd see some kids be rowdy. And I'd look at my wife and I would, I'd say, our kids aren't going to be like that. <laughs> now, you know? And, and, and I don't know if anyone's ever been on that high horse. Before you ever have kids, you're like, my kids are going to listen to me. Right? And, and you say that, that my kids are going to sleep through the night at three weeks because I will make them. Right? My sister, God bless her soul, uh, with my youngest, because we were in survival. We were like playing prevent defense. Right? We were in survival mode with the three infants. And she was pregnant at the time, my younger sister. And I remember her saying, she had found out, that with my youngest daughter, uh, we, we co-slept. So she slept in the bed with us um, because we were so tired to even stand up, right? <laughs> and so uh, my sister found out about that, and she said as she's pregnant, you know, she has no kids at this moment. She's like, my baby's not going to co-sleep with us, and my baby's not going to have a pacifier. And I just rolled my eyes, and I was like, okay, right? Good luck with that one. Kid you not, six months later, I'm like, hey, miss, how you doing? How's baby Blair? sleeping in the bed with her with a pacifier because the thing is is when you have kids you think they're just these little blank slates no they come out with little wills and desires right they know what they want 
and you're just trying not to kill anyone, right? You're just, just living. And, and so we have, Leslie and I have friends, and, and they're pregnant, right? And, uh, and there's, she's so beautiful. Like she's got the pregnant lady glow. He's a proud dad to be, right? And, and God bless him. Um, but I was like, how are, you, are you ready? You know, have you guys thought about how your life's going to transition? And he says to me, I kid you not, in church, he says, this baby is going to fit into our life. We are not going to mold our lives to it. He says that as I have both my kids in a headlock. And my third kid is crying because unicorns aren't real. In church. And he's saying this. And I just said to him, I was like, you know what? Why didn't I think of that? Where, you know, you're so smart. You're the first one ever to think of this. Uh, because kids just do that. And, you know, uh, I... I love my kids, but sometimes I like fail as a dad. I don't know if you guys ever fail as parents, but I just fail as a dad. You know, you just get frustrated. You know, you you wonder, people tell you, oh, it goes by so fast. Don't blink, JC. It goes by so fast. And I'm going to tell you, it took my son 30 minutes to put on his shoes the other day. (laughs) It couldn't go fast enough. (laughs) Right? And so you just get frustrated. You just get frustrated, right? And I remember... um, I remember, uh, you know, my son the other day and, and my daughter, they were just, just fighting. I just got frustrated. You know, some, some parents, they say, you know, they run a tight ship. We run a pirate ship. <laughs> There's some swearing, some drinking, and a little bit of mutiny from the raiders I've created, you know. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it, but at times I just get frustrated. And so one day... Um, my kids are, are fighting for the 12th time, and, you know, I'm yelling at my daughter things that I'd never thought I'd have to say out loud, right? Like, don't lick the dog, <laughs> right? Like, don't bite your sister's toes. You know, like, what are you eating, and where did you find that, right? Like, I never, and so I just get frustrated, and they're fighting and bickering with each other, and so I send, I send my daughter up to her room, and, and I probably was too stern, right? Like, I probably was madder than whatever she did, and um, so she's crying, you know, uncontrollably, where, <laughs> you know, and all the way up to her room, and, and shuts the door, and so I'm sitting down there with the other two, and, and then uh, as I hear her crying, she opens up the door, and it's that, that cry voice, right? And she, she says, Daddy, I love you. <laughs> Doesn't your heart just break? Right? And so now, now I'm tearing up. And like, I realized at that moment that my daughter had felt that our relationship was, was tearing. And she had felt that I was, I was mad and I was frustrated and that she had done something. And in that moment, she was feeling so far from me. And she wanted to know, Daddy, I love you. Do you still love me? So she wanted, do you, do you still love me? No matter what I did, are you still there? And so I, I run up the stairs, you know, and I give her a big hug, and she's crying, and I'm, I'm not crying, but it's very, it's very dusty, you know, <laughs> in the room. And I said, baby girl, I'll always love you. There's nothing you can do that will ever change that. I always love you. And then... They learned how to manipulate that. So now every time they're in trouble, 
they come out of the room, Daddy, I love you. And so, but that's, that's what I want to focus in on today. You know, Jesus tells a story of the parable of the prodigal son. And there's this dad, and his son basically tells him, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. I don't want your last name. I don't want anything. And he takes it, and he runs to the faraway land. And while he's there, he squanders all of his money, all of his family's wealth. He squanders it on nothing. And then as he's out there feeding pigs, which to him, a Jewish person, is despicable. He's feeding pigs hungry. He says, I'm not worthy to be my father's son, but maybe I could be a hired hand. Now, that word worthy, see, him being a son was never based on his worth, right? My kids, they're not worthy or not worthy to be my kids. That's just who they are. That's their identity. Whether they're good or bad or indifferent, that's who they are. And this son has this theology a lot of us in the church have that are we worthy to be God's children, right? We have that same, whenever you're so feeling so far from God, we have that same feeling of am I worthy? I'm not worthy. But he, he picks himself up and he says, but maybe I could be a hired hand. Maybe I could just work for him. And he goes off and here's the thing, the father's waiting for his son to return, Right? As he was, it says in scripture, as he was a long way off, the father saw him. To me, that means that the dad's waiting every day on the porch looking, when's my son going to come back? When's my son going to come back? When's he coming back? And as he comes back, this son who said, I wish you were dead, took all of the money that the father had earned and wasted it. Right? As he's far away, this, the old man runs to him. And as he runs to him, he hugs him and he puts he puts the, the cape on him and he puts the rings on his finger and he says, my son has returned. And the son regurgitates, father, I know I'm not worthy. And the father doesn't even respond to that. He doesn't even say you were never. He says, my son has returned. Hire the DJ, get the tablecloths out because we're having a party tonight. And I know some of you in a church this size, some of you feel like that son who's far away and you wake up every morning coming to church and you're like, I'm not worthy to be here. There's so many more holy people that deserve it more than me. And I'm here to say, just like my kids up in the stairs, your love and God's love for you is not dependent on who you are or what you do. It is your identity. It's who you are. And you could choose to realize that or you could choose not to realize that, but that is who you are. And you can stand firm in that because whether you're, no matter what you drug in here today, no matter what you said to your kids or to your husband or to your wife, as you were arguing coming in today, you're loved. You are loved more than you can comprehend. You are loved. That the Father welcomes you back, throws a party. See, that's why I think Scripture, you know, the, the relationship between God and His people, the best words that the human language can describe it as a parent. Because when you're a parent, you know that that unconditional love, you know when you see your kids succeed, when you see them struggle, your heart breaks, when you see them succeed, your heart's overjoyed. One of the best things about Christmas for me now is to see my kids get so excited about something. And you have that. 
Because, to be honest, the world, the world beats us up. The world tell, consistently tells us that we're less than, that we're, not, that we're not qualified, that we're not enough, and it beats us up. And the Father says, come on, we have a party. And not just that, but as the Father's in the party, there's two sons in the story, right? There's the second son. The older son's out in the fields doing all the religious work. He's attending every Sunday school. He's attending every time the church is open. He's putting the chairs away. He's stacking them up. He's like, you never threw a party for me. And what does the father do? He goes out to him as well. What that tells me is that God's indifferent. That he loves his children unilaterally. And his love is great for us. Because sometimes, honestly, the world just beats us up. Right? Even today, you might have drug yourself in here. Your marriage might be on its last string. Your kids might have disowned you this week. Your job might have just had you on the edge. The debt collectors just won't stop calling. And you could just feel like that son just dragged in here thinking I'm not even worthy to lift my hands in worship. And it's like, it's not about you. It's about him. You're loved. In fact, one of the things, yeah, amen. One of the things that we can do is somewhere in your bulletin, there's, I see some of you with pens and pencils, just write, I am loved. You could write it. Just write, I am loved. Here's the thing. We think, and I know you're thinking, no, you're, you're crazy, JC. That, that's not, I know I'm loved. Our actions and what we do integrate into who we believe we are. And that is a core Christian fundamental. Why do we get baptized? Is the water special? No, it's just it's water. But it's that act, that physical act that transforms and helps cement a spiritual reality, right? Communion. Why do we take communion? It's because it's a physical act that helps reinforce what's happening in the spiritual. So when you write down something, I am loved, you're doing a physical act that can help reinforce what's already true in the spiritual. And so if you're feeling 100 miles away from God this morning, if you're feeling like, I just need a taste of the love of God. It's like Pastor John said, raise your hands and sing. Because you're doing something physical, knowing that it's truth, hoping that it affects your spiritual. Romans says this. We're going to turn to Romans 8. Romans 8. This is what Paul writes to the Romans. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So no matter what you've brought in here today, through Christ, you're more than a conqueror. That's who you are. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things in the present, nor to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is height, nor death, nor hell, nor even no job, no boss, no client, no spouse, no kid. Nothing is going to be able to separate you from the love of God through Jesus, and you are more than conquerors in that. And so for some of you are living, some of us were living as defeated Christians. We're living as defeated, and what Paul's saying is you are more than conquerors. And you have to walk in that, that you are more than conquerors in Jesus. 
And that's what every day we have to remember that. See, I don't know about you guys, but work is, I mean, it's work, right? I don't know what, what all of you do, but man, my job is stressful at times, right? And people get very frustrated at me. And sometimes it can appear that I tell an untruth because things outside of my control happen and I have to relay that to the clients. And then I uh, get told in in so many words (laughs) their truths. (laughs) And some days I just think, man, I just feel beat up, torn down. And it's, I have to remember this verse. And I know for some of us, some of you have been Christians 50, 60 years, whatever. You might say, JC, this is as elementary as it comes. This is my first day of Sunday school, right? I'm telling you, it's the easiest to forget as well. Someone once told me that we, uh, we get saved by grace, and then we spend our rest of our Christian lives trying to earn it. We have to get back to that moment you were saved that moment you felt God's grace and remember that. Because the most elementary things are the most true. You're loved. If this is your first day or you're not even a Christian yet or you became a Christian, you're as loved as a saint that's in the twilight years. You're loved. That's just who you are. And to realize that because this world wants to tell you that you're less than. This world wants to diminish your worth. And it wants to distract you from the truth of who you are as a more than conqueror. Last week at the Super Bowl, people spent $5.6 million for 30 seconds of airtime to tell you what you don't have. Right? To make you discontent with the world to make you discontent with what you have, to distract you, to keep you on this rat race of just keep going. And honestly, if I'm being completely honest, it's especially hard for you ladies, right? Every airbrushed model on the front of a magazine at the grocery store telling you what you can't be and what you should be. And unless you're some, you know, famous blog mama who's cooking organic food for her perfect family and doing yoga every other day or something that you've achieved this perfect. And it makes us discontent. And it makes us feel that we're not enough in our jobs. When you have, when you have clients who are demanding and, and stressful, when you have a boss, someone over you that demeans you, but you can't leave the job because you have bills too, right? And consistently makes you feel beat down. When you're, maybe you're a customer service rep and you call people and you're, it's not your fault that they have so much money owed. It's your just call to remind them and then they yell at you and you're like, I'm just trying to feed my family. And you walk out Monday through Friday and you walk into church Sunday and you're just beat up. You're just like, is there any love for me? Is there any love for me? And I'm here to tell you, You are loved. Don't forget that. Even write it down. Put it on your phone. I am loved. Peter denied Jesus three times. 
He denied Jesus. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. And when he saw the resurrected Jesus, imagine how his heart felt. Have I denied you? Peter was beat up. And he says, Jesus tells Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. He says, feed my sheep. Then he asks him again, do you love me? And he asks him three times. And theologians wonder why he asked him three times. I think he asked him three times because he's restoring him every single time. He's healing every wound. And with that, Peter takes up his mantle and becomes the leader of the church, right? And that's our story, is that you are loved. And no matter what you've broken in, no matter what you've brought in, just like the worship team said, you could just set it down. The baggage that you bear is not yours to carry. You could set it down and realize you are loved and that is enough. You are enough. And then we get to go and we get to show the world that love. The scriptures say that we're able to love because he first loved us. So you are not able to do any ministry ever until you know. That love cannot overflow from you. I pray this week, and, and if some of you want to know how to share that love of God, is just giving people the same grace that you've been given. The next time that person cuts you off on the freeway, just dive down deep. <laughs> next time someone's cursing you out on the phone over something you didn't do, just know that they're just a broken person and that you were once a broken person. In my church, we pray the, the prayer of St. Francis, Francis. And one of the things that I love about that prayer is that he says, it is in giving that we receive and it is in dying that we gain eternal life. So I pray this week that you understand what it is to be loved. And you understand then what it means to love the world. Because it is in that outflowing of God's love that he pours in fresh and living water pressed down and overflowing into us. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the love that you've given us. Thank you that uh, what you've taught me over these past years of just being enough by being your son. Pray that that truth sinks into our hearts, that we're reminded of it every week as we go every day, this week as we go out and we're able to be ambassadors of your love to others. Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done for us.